The information in this podcast is general information and not advice. Sanford Financial is authorised under Australian Credit Licence Number 541480. Further information is available at stanfordfinancial.net. Hello and welcome to On The Couch with Steve, a podcast where we help you navigate the often complex world of buying, selling and renting uh, uh, real estate here in Ipswich. Uh, I'm Steve Athanades. I'm the owner of NG Real Estate uh, Ipswich. I'm joined today by Steve Beach from Stanford Financial. Thanks for coming along, Stephen. How are you? Very, very good and absolute pleasure to be back again. Lovely, lovely. So obviously today is the 1st of August and we're talking all things interest rates. So, mate, without any further ado, what happened with interest rates? So we've got good news again. Um, they have decided to keep rates on hold. So the cash Yay. rate yes, does, very good. <laughs> does remain at 4.1%. So I guess um, from the from the lows in COVID where we saw 0.1%, we're still sitting at a 4% rate rise um, since then. So. Okay, so now we both predicted, we thought interest rates would go up. I uh, 100% thought, I thought they, they were going to go up. Up until probably about a week ago was when um, we started seeing some of the, I guess, the, the information that, that's come through um, for the RBA to make some of those informed decisions. So we started seeing uh, inflation rates um, like the GDP and everything. Those lines won't go in too technical, but I guess a big predetermining factor is, is um the whole reason why we lift interest rates or the cash rate is to, to stem inflation, to, to stop consumer spending. Yeah. So so everything doesn't continually to go up. So cost of fuel and bread and, and, in, and importantly, rent, um, which has been, uh, I guess, a big target for a lot of people. Uh, we did actually see the predicted, uh, I guess, inflation rate was at 6.2% for the end of July, and it came in at 6%. So Well, that's good. That's positive. So we're heading definitely in the right direction. So um, unemployment still actually remains at all-time low, um, but uh, they're not as concerned about that as, as once were they were before. Wasn't, were we talking uh, last episode about the fact that you know 130,000 people needed to lose their job? They're still predicting that, um, but their anticipation at the moment is is we're currently sitting at an unemployment rate of 3.5%, and it needs to be somewhere around about 4.5%. So, But they're not anticipating that until probably this time next year. So it's probably... There's still a lot more people actually getting jobs than people are losing jobs. So, um, so it's actually in a positive light, but what everybody's feeling out there at the moment is the the cash crunch and surplus cash um you know consumer spending spending has reduced greatly um the amount of actually holding deposits um in australia has has dropped substantially as well and a lot of that's to do with people with offset accounts and stuff like that have have, have had this surplus money through covid um, we went prior to COVID, there was a lot of money, but $750 billion in cash reserves in Australia uh, across everyone's bank accounts. Yes. Uh, it went up to $1 trillion through COVID. So a lot of people sort of, I guess, held money back. Um, I think a lot of that was contributed towards where people took their super out as well. Um, yes. Sort of in, influxed a lot of cash into people's bank accounts. Uh, and that is slowly dwindling away, which again, I think was a pretty... So, so people have spent... People are spending that surplus money that they had. So um, so that's a big thing <coughs> moving forward, I suppose. All right. Now, I heard um, <clears throat> on the radio the other day that um, two out of three Australians have... If they were planning a holiday, they've put that on hold. If they were planning some sort of major expenditure, they've put that on hold. Is is that what they're 
is, is that the end result that the, the RBA was looking for? It, it is to a degree. Ultimately, they're not out there to say, you know, don't spend your money, don't go on holidays or anything along those lines. It's just that there was a massive amount of surplus um, funds available that people were, were, were spending. A lot of that to do with, I guess, um, with, I guess, interest rates being so low, it was so easy to get money um, and even on a, on a set income. And when you think about, I guess, repayment-wise, um, a lot of people's mortgages have gone up three to four hundred dollars per week, um, but people's wages haven't gone up three to four hundred dollars per week, and that's where the the stranglehold is, and that's essentially why they wanted to curb that inflation, so to stop the rates from continuing to go up, so they can come back down to see sort of a, an equilibrium. I guess when we look at the cash rate at 4.1%, the last time the cash rate was that high was back in 2008, just prior to the GFC. GFC yeah. um, so we did see at that point in time, they did drop quite, and then it's been a sort of a, a fairly low consistency. And then what we've just seen over the last, I guess, you know, for 13 months where we saw 12 rate rises, you know, appreciably we've had two rate, rate pauses. Um, I don't think we're completely out of the woodwork yet uh, in regards to people who are talking to me today about, oh, do you think rates are going to start coming back down? No, I think there still needs to be a, a steadying of the economy prior to uh, we seeing rate reductions, which everyone is forecasting. Economists, banks, um, you know, I was in a NAB forum and then any, and even a Westpac one where they're talking about what they were predicting, I guess, you know, sort of six months ago, what they're predicting now, what they're predicting in, in the next sort of six to 12 months. And they're all on the same page. They've all sort of said the cash rate they were anticipating to go to 4.6. So that was two more rate rises. I think we've skipped one. So I think we probably may only go to 4.35. Um, but they're okay. all big news is they're all predicting 3.6 will be the cash rate at the end of next year. So, which is all about those rate cuts, which is what we're all looking forward to. So, um, Okay. To see. Well, that's good news. So a bit of a clarification there from the RBA about what they think is going to happen. Mm. Now, every single episode, we ask, um, obviously, our viewers to give us some feedback, tell us what they liked about what we're talking about. And amazingly, we got some feedback. <laughs> uh, what they did actually ask is, why would you not? We said uh, one of our last episodes that neither one of us would recommend fixing our, uh, our rates just right now. Um me for different reasons to you, but um, a lot of the people at home are saying, "Well, why would we say don't fix uh, rates?" So, do you want to you want to jump could, into I, that one? Well, I can definitely uh, elaborate a little bit more on that. Again, this is my personal opinion, so but I can explain why I guess I've chosen to to go down that that avenue. Um, I guess when we're talking about um, where the cash rate's going, um, so that's more to do with where variable rates lie. Um, fixed rates, we've actually seen fixed rates for most banks actually go up over the last sort of two, three weeks. So we've seen some banks lift as much as 0.6%. Some banks have only lifted sort of 0.1%, but they're all still lifting fixed rates. Now, the fixed rate market um, is to do with, um, I guess, long-term long money making. So that's mainly for borrowing overseas versus borrowing from in, internally here in Australia. So with the fact that um, that, I guess three-year swap rate is still increasing means fixed rates will still increase. Now, when the bank actually lends you money on a fixed rate, um, I guess when if you were to break that loan, so the, the question I guess I've been asked is, so Steve, if, if I fix now and then rates go down, I'm just gonna refinance at a cheaper rate. And that sounds great in theory, except for the bank secured your money at, at this particular rate. So when the rates start going down, and which is what we saw through COVID, is you're gonna get what they call as an economic break cost. So 
at the I guess the wholesale rate of what time they borrowed the money to the what that rate's going to be when they sell the money back to the bank they have to pay the difference between so um, that's why when most economists and the RBA and everybody's talking about rates going down next year I said I wouldn't fix because I would be too concerned about getting locked in and then having to pay a break cost um, in the future. So that's Because it's been the complete opposite of what's happened. As rates were going down, okay, people were obviously, um, they were in a situation where um, the bank would actively encourage them to break because, because they could obviously then um, you know, lend the money at, at different rates. Yeah, I guess it's more when, when rates are going up. So as rates went up, there's, it's funny, they're going to charge a fee to, to get out if, if they're going to lose money. But as they make money, where we've seen a few people actually break their like 4.5% fixed rate to refinance on a 6% bearable rate because they're doing debt consolidations and other yes. bits and pieces. Yes, yes, um, yes. So they're actually borrowing at a higher rate, taking the loan over a longer period of time to reduce their repayments. So that's great for the banks because they don't give you any benefit if you break your fixed rate early when they're in the, in the green. But what we saw through COVID was as people were fixed at four and a half and then all of a sudden rates went to 2%, we saw people getting 10 and $20,000 fixed rate bills. Um, I can put my hand up. My fixed rate break cost was $11,367 for me to leave NAB to transfer my mortgages across to Members Equity Bank. Um, and a big thing was that was, as I went from 4.8% to 1.89%. So, and my repayments actually dropped by sort of $600 a month um, at a much cheaper rate. But when I worked out that cost versus how much I'd save over a three year fixed rate, I was in front by about $17,000. So I guess I, I fronted the money up front. Which, in, hurt, which, which would hurt. hurt. Um, but yep. I saved it over the long, long, long run. So. Okay, so what we're saying here now is we're being very specific. These are our personal opinions about whether you should or shouldn't um, enter into um, a fixed rate right now. Um, obviously, individuals would need to seek independent um, financial advice, which is obviously the prudent thing for all, or us all to say. But you would need to make sure, based on your own per personal circumstances, what's best for you. Now, there are going to be some people out there going to say, but listen, the reason I would think about getting a fixed-term rate is because I physically have no more money, and if these go, if they continue to go up, I'm in big, big trouble. And that's a big thing as well. And that's we are still doing some fixed rates um, for for us at Stanford Financial. We're still getting. Well, a lot what of sort of percentage of business would be uh, people converting from variable to, 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 to fixed? Fix. Just as a as a rough guy, we're not going to hold you to it. Uh, less than ten percent. So less than ten percent. And why do you think that is? For exactly what you just said. Um, I've, I've just seen my repayments go from $1,500 a month to $2,500 a month. And if it goes then to $4,000 a month, if they double again, um, I'm, I'm going to have to sell. And I, I, I'd rather lock in now at $2,700 a month and know for the next 12 months, 24 months or, or 36 what's, months, what's your payment's going to be. Yes, I yeah. understand that the economy is going to move up and down and I, and I may be in a financially worse position, but the predicament I am in right now this is the best for me financially and for my family. So um, they're things to to take into consideration. And, and when we do offer, I guess, interest rates or, or finance packages, um, we always go, this is what your best fixed rate market is. This is what your best variable rate market is. This is the bank that has a combination of best fixed and variable. So sometimes it may not be, hey, I'm going to go to this bank because they've got the best fixed rate, but they may have a really high variable rate. And then you might only want half your loan fixed and half the loan variable. So it's 
then trying to work out which bank's gonna be best suited for you. And that's why we always come to a lot of people with four, five, six bank recommendations, unless they just say to me, no, I just want a variable rate or no, I just want a fixed rate, then it makes it a little bit easier because then we only have to recommend sort of two or three banks. Okay, all right, good to know. So probably worthwhile again, just telling the people at home, uh, brokers like yourself have a obligation to put people in a better position than they currently are. So if you're going to refinance, you have to be able to prove that you've improved their position. So that's called, it's called best interest duty. So it's only regulated by brokers. So banks aren't, I guess, required under the same guidelines as we are. So um, myself personally, or any sort of credit representative out there that's a broker, cannot put somebody into a worse financial position we also have to make sure we, and I hate using the word cheapest, but we have to offer the cheapest loan possible. So what we mean by that is taking into, I guess, consideration of your personal circumstances. So somebody that's a first home buyer with 5% deposit versus somebody that's got an investment property in 50% equity are gonna get two different interest rates and definitely gonna to go to two different banks. So we've got to work out what, under your circumstances, which bank's best for you and which is the cheapest. And then that may consider interest rates, fees, charges, what we call as a revert rate. So if you do fix and you go, once your fixed rate expires, then the bank's gonna put you on a set interest rate, which we always call it um, bank loyalty tax, where you don't generally get the same rates that are on offer. You're gonna get whatever the rates applicable to you at that period of time. And we're seeing people come off these fixed rates at 8% through, I'm not gonna name banks, but um, there's a couple of the banks out there aren't giving clients the best rate in the market when they sh when we're through the same bank, we're offering 5.8%. These clients are coming off at 8% and that's not fair. Um, and that's why it's always best to, yeah, I'm gonna say call your broker and, and talk to them. So we do have a, a, a due diligence of the fact that we must be in contact with our clients and make sure that they're on the best rates as brokers, that's what we're supposed to do. Banks don't have to do that, they just put you on whatever rate. You can call your bank and, and try and renegotiate or call a broker and, and they will can renegotiate one for you on your behalf anyway, or to go through a, I guess, a financial overview and, and make sure that you are being financially savvy with your money and, and when put you on the best rate or, like we're seeing is a lot of people doing debt consolidations and these type of things. So. Okay, so it's very important we, we basically let you know we're not bashing any banks in particular, but what we are saying is, obviously Stanford Financial, uh, you, you're a broker at Brokerage in terms of you offer different products from different institutions. So if, and this is a real situation, people out there are struggling. So if you are struggling, talk to someone like yourself uh, who's a broker who can give you the best option and has to legally give you the best position yeah, the possible. Yeah, All right, quickly, we've got to wind this up. Mate, what is going to happen next month? Oh, I, I'm honestly going to say flip of a coin. I guess um, Phil Lowe, who's the current uh, governor of the RBA, steps down on the 17th of September. So this will be next month will be his last RBA announcement. Now, it's not saying it's, it's his sole responsibility to make that choice ultimately has a it's group board, of people board, the board yeah, yeah. that does it um so I, I still feel that potentially that they probably will raise rates next month um and then that'll allow michelle who's stepping in as the new rba governor um i guess to to ease and go all right we're going to stabilize the economy for the next six months and then we can then start look to to drop rates if they don't raise rates we'll probably i if they don't raise rates next month i don't think they'll raise rates anymore and I think we'll start to see rate cuts um, middle of next year. Wow. Okay. Well, look, 
I probably think we'll get one as well. I thought we would get one, uh, you know, this month, but that hasn't happened. So that's good news for everyone at home. But, um, but we could talk about this for hours, obviously. Uh, so once again, obviously, Steve, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate your assistance and obviously Stanford Financial coming along and helping us out every single month. Now, of course, for everyone at home, this is extremely topical. Uh, if you've got any questions, please just refer to the link below. Thank you for your previous questions. If you'd like to see more on the couch with Steve, please tune in.